Hi, I'm Regina Boyd, Licensed Marriage and Family Therapist and Licensed Mental Health Counselor, and your host of the Connecting Out Loud podcast. Here we talk about connections with our families as they relate to our mental health and Catholic faith, all while connecting you with those you love the most. Thanks for joining me for this episode. Let's dive in. Marriage is a blessing to the people of God. When a couple lives their vocation well, they enrich the world as a source and sign of God's love. Today, I want to introduce you to Rachel and Jason Bullman, a couple that I am friends with. They are dear friends, and they have opened their home to young people for a decade as a form of evangelization. They are not your typical Catholic family. Um, He is in the process of formation for the permanent diaconate, and he's a physician's assistant. And Rachel is a writer for Word on Fire. She's a speaker. She's working on a book that could potentially be coming out in the near future. And they are both parents to a growing family. They have four children and they have two on the way. And so I think that these are a great example of people who are just hilarious and wonderful and so fun to listen to, but also have a deep spiritual spirituality and theological understanding of what the purpose of marriage is and learning to love God and one another in their everyday life. And so I'm so excited to share this conversation with you. So without further ado, here are Jason and Rachel Bullman. Rachel and Jason, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having us. Happy to be here. So if you don't mind sharing a little bit about the story of how you met just to get started, I think that would be really fun. I know it's hard to give a brief version, but... (laughs) um, Jason, I've been a bar. (laughs) (laughs) No, um, so I guess that is a very, very brief. (laughs) That is a very brief, yeah. Yeah, very brief. But um, really, he was was home for like three months, right? That's right. Getting ready to go off to medical school to become a PA and had kind of sworn off all dating. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) So one night I was out with some friends and um, Speed, you remember that movie Speed with Keanu Reeves? That was playing on the television and Jason walked underneath the television and I told one of my friends, that guy looks like Keanu Reeves. <laughs> and then a few minutes later, he walked by us and I, I said, this guy right here. And, and then that's really how we first met. And then a few weeks later, we saw each other again and then things kind of hit off from there. I just, I'm a really good stalker. That's really what it comes down <laughs> And uh, hard to resist. You know, that's what I try to say, tell myself. <laughs> so did you talk to him first in the bar or did Jason, did, did you talk to, oh, nice. We tell that story differently too. Cause I say that when I said, this is the guy, he was like, do I know you? And a very, <laughs> do I know you? But his version is like, like it was a very innocent, do I know you type of thing, but. <laughs> That's how I remember it in my head. Uh-huh. So. <laughs> I doubt nice. it. <laughs> and it was love ever since, or you, or did some stalking have to ensue after that? <laughs> we, you know, I, we were talking about this actually just the other night with some 
we were going to talk to some youth about theology of the body. And one of the teens afterwards asked, like when we knew that the other person was the person. And I remember telling us like, we were recently talking about it right before that. And I said, I remember sitting there one night, we were in his parents' driveway. It was really late. It was after being out. So it was probably two o'clock in the morning. And we're just having a really deep, thoughtful conversation. And I just remember thinking, oh, there's, there's like a whole lot to this guy. And I'd, I'd love to keep him around and talk to him more like this. So that was it. Yeah. It was, um, it, I always tell the story where Rachel kind of knew before I did. So That's true. <laughs> well, it was funny because when we met, I had, I had had a long kind of dysfunctional relationship with a girl in college. And so, and then I had really had this deep religious experience, this deep encounter with Christ and was like, for the first time in my life, I was free and okay with me. And, um, so I was just kind of like in this in between, you know, uh, undergrad and graduate state and, um, just having a good time hanging out with my sister and friends. And, um, so I was kind of like a little resistant um, to, to getting involved in a relationship, especially with PA school, which I knew was going to be really intense. Um, and so at one point I kind of tried to break it off with her and it was hilarious. He, did. He, he literally came over to my apartment to break up with me. Yeah. So <laughs> I, t- I told my parents like, Hey, you know, really like this girl, but I think I'm going to go over and, and kind of end it because I don't want it to, I just don't, I don't want it to end badly. I don't want to go too far because I'm about to leave. And they're like, okay, you know, so, but they really liked her a lot. So I went over there (laughs) and the way my parents saw was I was gone for hours, you know, and his dad came by to check on him. He drove by to make sure my car was still there. Like He's like, we don't know her very well. And you've been gone (laughs) for like hours and you were supposed to come right back. So he said, he goes, I drove through the apartment complex parking lot to make sure that Jason's car was still there. And it, wow. it's so funny how it happened because Rachel and her, um, and her feminine genius just kind of let, listen to me blabble for a while. He did. Like, he talked for like 20 minutes and. And she was finally like, okay, so you want to go like get some food? And I was like, I mean, I guess so. Cause he never, <laughs> he never said, I don't want to do this anymore. Or like, I think it's better if we slow down. He never said any of those like red flag, we're, we're going to put a stop to this thing. So he just talked and I said, okay, now can, can we go get something to eat now? <laughs> and that's, that's the story. So, <laughs> and his mom loves that. Cause she's always like, you were very wise to do that. Cause if you would have like pressed him or anything, he would have just left. And she said, but because you were just kind of like, okay, let's go eat food. <laughs> he was pretty cool with it. So. That's it. And it was cool. It, <laughs> it, it just kept um, growing from there. And then Rachel became Catholic during that time. I sort of discerned my vocation because I was struggling with how do I give my life to the Lord and be with a woman? Because it seemed like at the time in my naivety that dichotomy, yeah, like there was some kind of dichotomy there. Um, so I had to learn like, no, the normative way of holiness is marriage. And so she's discerning the Catholic faith. I'm discerning, you know, our marriage. And um, 
all the all the while in in uh, medical school. So it was a very intense uh, <laughs> but beautiful time um, yeah. of our lives. So it sounds super intense. But just to hear you guys sharing that story and imagining if you weren't together is just mind boggling to me. That you know. <laughs> Like that something could have happened, you know, on that conversation that, that night and like how everything would be so different now. I can't even imagine, you know. Amen. Um, yeah. So thankful. Yeah. So I want to talk about, do you call it the School of Humanity, by the way? The young we adult. Do. We do call it the School of Humanity. Yeah. I really want to talk about this School of Humanity that you have in your home, because I feel like for most people, they view their home as a private place or not. It's not a place where you're like just kind of letting anyone in. Right. Um, and if they do, it's after hours of cleaning and preparing and entertaining, like making sure you're getting hors d'oeuvres or whatever you right. have to do preparing. But I feel like you two have a very different view about that. So tell us about the School of Humanity. What was it that made you open your home to young adults and why were you so comfortable with it? I honestly, you know, it, the more and more that people ask us that, I'm, I'm constantly like, well, I don't really know. I mean, it must have, it must have been grace and the Holy Spirit, because I don't remember ever giving it a, a second thought. And there are so many people that uh, we meet now, and I go, where did we meet? And they go, I met you at your house. And I'm like, oh, okay, good time. So, um, but well, I, I think that part of it um, is just that we kind of had from, from doing young adult ministry over the years, I think some of the foundational things that we had learned was number one, that if in order to evangelize, you have to sort of walk with people, you you have to develop relationship. You have to be with them in their struggles. um, You know, let them in on your struggles uh, and, and allow the Lord's healing in your own life in your own heart to kind of heal and, and uh, be a part of their own story and their own healing. And so for us, evangelization, we had, we had noted that, I mean, real evangelization always takes place in the context of a relationship. And what better way than at your own house, with your own family, um, that kind of thing, especially with young adults who are at this point of real discernment. Um, and I think we had seen like a real kind of like lacking in, in the Catholic church. And maybe, I don't know if this is just a Catholic thing, but there's like youth ministry and then there's like adult Bible study and there's not a whole lot for young adults. And that was really where both of us had had our sort of deepening of our faith at that age. And so yeah, I mean, originally we were just part of a young adult group that um, there were no kind of limitations to the time that we would spend together. We would get together on a Friday night. We This is before we had kids and, and everybody would still hang out and play bocce ball in the dark. You know, it was, it was it was very free. It was very familial in that way. And so we tried to go back to that same young adult group, but by that time it had kind of morphed because of course people grow and you have families and you get married and and so I'm sitting there in this room because it would split up between the guys and the girls. And there's girls there that have their children there. And there's these young, single, young adult girls that are like right at college age or 
um, just out of college, starting their career, single um, or newly married, that were kind of very lost with with the way that the the night went because of the, they were distracted by the children or and things like that. So I came home and I told Jason, I said, you know, I really feel like there's a certain group of people that may want to have like a deeper conversation and be able to have it without any kind of limitations. And I said, what do you think about us just seeing if that's something that people want to do and maybe we can invite some people over. And I was like, yeah, that sounds great. You know, um, and so it was actually in this room that yeah. we had our first. And, and really you only had like maybe three or four people in mind. And... Yeah. Cause there were only three or four people from that night. And so I sent it, there's a college right near our home. So I knew one of the young adults that went to college there. I sent her a, a message on Facebook and a few other people and kind of word of mouth, I guess, spread. And that first night, like 15 people showed up here. Yeah. Wow. When people showed up like that, we we're like, oh my goodness, you know, we were expecting like a few people to sh show up. And it wasn't even the fact that there were, there was a great number of people. But <clears> one <throat> of the questions that we asked them that night was, why are you here? And every single person in the room cried just because of how deep their longing was wow. to find real community, not just, not just a passing, you know, Hey, we all go to mass together or, but somewhere where they felt like they belonged. And it might've been just a very organic. And I, I, you know, I think some of the best ministries really arrive at something organic. And I remember sitting around one night, we we're looking at the room and maybe 80% of the room were out-of-state transplants. I mean, they had all moved here at the same time. Like the Lord plucked them from their, their different places and put them in the same place. But that number, you know, has, has fluctuated. We never knew, you know, with young adults, you never know who's going to come or who's going to commit to doing that. So we would have some nights, it's like three or four people. And then you have a night when like 35 people show up. Mm -hmm. And so it's just really... And I think what really prompted it was, was just, I think our overflow of love for one another. It's like a natural, natural result of that. And yeah, so I, I think that, um, well, first of all, Rachel and I both fell in love with Jesus first and then the Catholic church. And like, you know, it's kind of one of those things where, when you love the Lord and you love the church, like you just want to study all you can and, and learn all you can. And, and as you learn more and more, you, you fall more and more in love with the faith and it becomes more integrated into your life. You start living it. And you also are able to see other people who have that same starving, you know, heart for it and different, everyone's at different points in their journey and that was initially what I think was put on your heart is we saw these young women who were really kind of wanting to go deeper into the faith. I mean, and it plucks your heartstring when you see that you're like, you know, this person has a heart, you. Yeah, yeah. this person has a heart, like, like us, you know? And, um, and so we acted on it and the Lord, blessed it i mean i still that that was like a long time ago how many oh years my gosh. ago was it was that? like three almost four years ago and uh i still remember remember the the uh, getting you know goosebumps that night uh, because it was just so palpable how 
just the conversation, how beautiful it was. And what we started to realize is um, the blessing that our family is. Just being a Catholic couple that loves each other, trying to live their faith, who has a lot of kids, you know, um, and has that witness of openness to life um, and are happy and are, you know, have a nice home and are opening it up freely to people. It's a huge deal. I mean, that that leaves big impressions on people's hearts. And there was a lot of courage for these young adults, like a real longing that they, because we, we typically didn't have them come to the front door because it would wake up the kids because it was right next to the kids' room. So the rule was that you would come through the garage. So they would just, there were people that had never been here before and they would hear about this and they would maybe email me or email somebody else in the group and they would say, yeah, just go in their garage. And these people would come in through our garage, having never met these people. We actually had one young adult who he uh, went to college here in town. He ended up converting to Catholicism while he was here. So he, but his whole family was from out of state and we had a little party for him after he came into the church two Easter's ago. And he told us that when he told his parents, he was coming to this young adult group. They were like, we really wish you would have sent us pictures of their house because like it's this very welcoming and beautiful home. And we're like imagining that you're in someone's basement and it's like dark <laughs> and you're going to be murdered. And so he said it just, it was really nice. But at the same time, it's such a strange thing to enter through someone's garage and come and hang out with people that you've never met. So, <laughs> Wow. What I love about that is just like how clear, like the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, you mentioned like the love between the two of you. And I mean, that just speaks to the strength of the sacrament of marriage of that real maternity and paternity that we have just from that marital bond and how far that extended for the two of you. Mm-hmm. How, what does a regular meeting look like? How often do you meet? How long do you prepare ahead of time? <laughs> Sounds kind of spontaneous <laughs> based yeah, on what yeah. you're saying. So when we first got together, one of the things that we realized right away, just in the, in the years of, of ministry was that I, I, we both feel like if you can get the sacraments and you can understand the mass, then everything can kind of make sense. It kind of builds this foundation for, for everything to make sense. So what we did in the beginning was we kind of went through every one of the sacraments and it was crazy to watch these 20 something year old kids just completely alive with the fact that, wow, I feel like I've never heard it like this before. Um, Walking through the mass together and being able to experience that as well. But the way that it would work is everybody would come in. There would usually be some sort of food um, because, you know, young adults and food, you gotta have food. And um, we'd all just kind of gather in this room. It's just a cat. It's almost like a living room. And we would just have discussion. And it was usually always discussion. It was never someone presenting or, or Jason or our teaching. It was always very Socratic, if you would. So we would just ask them, somebody would ask something. We might present something very quickly, like a five minute, this is what we're talking about tonight. And then the conversation would just kind of take off. Uh, that's another reason why I think just how organic it was was so important because and how authentic everybody came 
to be with one another because everybody could freely discuss. There wasn't a caveat of I have to listen to you or I have nothing to offer. It was just a room full of people that, that really felt like they could love on one another. Um, and then honestly, probably around 9.30, maybe 10.30, we might wrap it up with night prayer, just from the liturgy hours. And then no one would leave. Uh, that was like an ongoing <laughs> joke that we would close if no one after party. Yeah, no one would leave. So we would and then I mean, so that was that took a toll after a while. And we had to kind of prep our sleeping arrangements to be like, all right, we go to bed really early the night before because when the young adults come, they're not gonna leave till like twelve thirty, one o'clock. So And we would always put the kids to bed earlier on those nights than normal. But they knew it, and uh, the kids and, would say, are, "Are people coming over to talk about Jesus tonight?" Yeah, and they would abide, and uh, it's amazing. And or sometimes, you know, if one of them wakes up or whatever, and they would come out during the session, it just made it all the more kind of organic and beautiful. And like they would pass around the baby or or whatever, <laughs> you know. Um, and you know, as you were talking. Um, there was a couple things. I, I do think that what part of what was so important was um, providing an environment that was not threatening and that was open and um, to discussion. Uh, and people were welcome to ask questions. Um, we would prepare to some degree. We like there would be a topic in. Um, we would be somewhat prepared, you know, but not, not in any kind of rigid, like we're definitely talking about this, this and this tonight or anything oh, like that. There were so um, many nights that we, you'd start out with something and it would end up being something totally mm -hmm. different. But, but one thing that occurred to me as you were talking, I think that the one consistent thing was not so much because, so there's so much you can talk about in Catholicism, but it's, it's not always so much what you say, but how you say it. And, and I think for us, the reason that we call it the School of Humanity is because what was central to it was um, a foundational understanding of what I would consider a true Catholic anthropology, meaning mm -hmm. a true understanding of the innate goodness and beauty of the human person as created by God in his, his image, image and likeness and called to sainthood. And so everything that we talked about, it, it always ended up dr driving towards those truths because identity, you know, being precedes doing. So most people don't know who they are because most people, because we discover who we are through Christ and through, you know, through God's love for us. That's what defines who we are. We don't, we don't create our own identity. We try to, you know, if we don't, if we don't find ourselves as beloved and then are rooted in that identity, we end up trying to create our own by what we do, by our accomplishments, by the love of other people. And we're in that state of, of living, there's a lot of despair, a lot of dysfunction, a lot of problems that go with it. And, and you can literally see people set free when they start to really start to believe like, oh, I am unique and beloved and you have something to offer, something here. to offer. And, and when you start to speak that way to young adults, 
Uh, I mean, it changes lives. And um, I mean, it's so beautiful. I, I mean, the other thing I was thinking about as you were speaking was like, I remember we talked to each other one time. We were like, I mean, we can't even imagine life now, like even our marriage, like without it's overflowing into these young adults. I mean, they had really become like part of our family. Mm -hmm. Like they jokingly call us mom and dad, you know? Uh, <laughs> um, and, and so it, it really started to become that way where we, we were like family and um, mm -hmm. uh, it's quite beautiful. And, oh, that's what I was going to say was the other, you know, you know, the, uh, the tree by its fruits, you know, I, I, I always kind of brag because they're like kids to me, but I mean, we had several vocations come out of, of the young adults and like three or four marriages um, and one vocation, vocation the priesthood. priesthood and, and so, um, and it was all really kind of based from that certain hermeneutic of this proper understanding of who you are in, in light of being created by God. So every, every kind of Catholic topic, topic we would talk about, every theological topic was sort of rooted in that understanding. So. Awesome. And I mean, I think why this is so, at least was on my heart to talk about, I feel like it's a message a lot of people need to hear because it's such an example of how to walk with people in real life. I feel like when we think about ministering to other people or evangelization in general, there can be this thought of like, I got to do this big thing and be, you know, create a, I don't know, a workbook that everyone reads and I'm going to create this Bible study and sell it to all the parishes in the world or something. And, yeah. um, and so people can get paralyzed and, and thinking about, you know, what should I do with this big concept? But I, I just love the real example of a very practical way to go about this. Um, so could you maybe offer a short theological reflection on why you think it's important for families to do something like this? Not that every family should be constantly inviting people in their home, like not every family might be called for it to look like the way you do it, but some form of an apostolate maybe. So the first thing that comes to my mind, um, part of that um, anthropology that we talked about is what you end up discovering about yourself by, so you end up discovering who you are by the fact that you're created in God's image and likeness. And so we look to God first to understand who we are and what we are called to do. And what's so beautiful is that you realize that God in himself is this outpouring of love, the father to the son and, you know, the son entrusting himself into the father, the father's sacrifice, you know, pouring himself out to the son. So God himself is constantly outlooking. Love itself is always looking outward. It's never turned in on oneself. That That's that's where Satan got it wrong is he's constantly turned in on himself as you, as it were, God is the opposite. He's always, love is always outpouring. So, and there's this beautiful passage in Gaudium et Spes that 
Rachel and I would quote all the time, which was that um, man only fully comes to realize himself when he makes of himself a sincere gift for the sake of someone else. And, and it's really true. When you start to live a life of altruism, of like pouring yourself out for other people and you're not turned in on yourself, you're a lot more free and you're a lot more you and you're a lot more happy and all those things. It's a very ironic thing, you know, it's very countercultural. This culture that tells you like, if you want to be happy, then you, you have to have all this stuff to fill you. But it's the opposite. Um, and so we, that moved us in our marriage. And I, I think that um, we just really are super blessed in the fact that we both are actively trying to live that out in our marriage to one another. And of course, that self-gift to one another resulted in children. But yet we bring that perspective even to our kids. And so they, you know, when we have young adults over and that kind of thing, I think they really do have a true understanding that like our family is a gift for other people. Um, so even the family in its solid, you know, as a sort of sacrament for the world um, is, 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 is meant for, you know, a, at least a local community too. Um, because there, you know, there's a temptation to be like, oh, the world is bad. We, we got the faith, you know, we got the truth. And, and so we need to like turn in on ourselves and keep ourselves away from the world. But again, that, that, and that's a temptation and I get it. And, and trust me, I mean, we, we keep our kids from a lot of things. I'm not saying just let them free, but at the same time, um, you, you have to view the world as something beautiful and other people as, um, as a calling, you know, to sort of be a gift to Rachel every morning when she drops the kids off, she, she'd ask them like, well, what is your mission today? And they all know the answers like oh, to be a gift, you know? So, um, so yeah, I think that, I think that's gotta be part of what we see happen in the future um, in the Catholic church is that families should like, like young, Catholic families need to start seeing themselves as um, a humongous witness, a huge part. Not well, every family really is an apostolate. Really. really, yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, I heard a great quote today from Benedict XVI of Emeritus, but that someone asked him once, you know, how many ways are there to Christ? How many ways are there to find God? And he said, well, there are as many ways as there are people in the world. Hmm. And, and not to say that there's a, a numerous paths to God, but to say that everyone's journey is different and everyone's journey de deserves some sort of accompaniment. And, and just like there's this each individual person, you can say that there's, a, there's an individual apostolate with each family. And there's gonna be a unique way that God is calling you to love on people. It could be something very simple as, as someone, we have a friend that he, he has the, the soccer team that his kids play on. He like offers for all of them to come over and have movie nights at his house. And, and just the kids really love being able to have this, this time together as a family. 
and to witness a family atmosphere that they might not have at home. Um, and it seems like such a very simple thing. I'm just going to give them a ride to come by the house and then I'll take them to soccer practice. But a lot of times it may be the only time that they witness that, that mm -hmm. someone being a self gift in that way. And so I think every family has a unique way of loving the world. And this was our particular way. Some people may think it's, it's, um, quite extraordinary. There may be people that, that do more extraordinary things, but really it always makes me go back to that Chesterton quote that there is nothing more extraordinary in the world than an ordinary man with his ordinary wife and their ordinary children. Amen. And that's really the apostolate that we're called to, to love one another. And the natural outflow of that is going to be love others in your particular way that you're called to. I love it. What are some of the fruits that you've witnessed, you know, in witnessing the God in this way? I'm sure there's been goodness in blessing your own marriage by, by opening up your home in this way. Yeah, I was just thinking that. Um, I mean, it's definitely not just that we are there for others, but I mean, others have been there for us. I mean, even, so I wouldn't be able to have gotten this far in my journey to the permanent diaconate without all these young adults turning around and supporting us, watching our kids on the weekends um, so that I could do those things. I mean, like that literally would not have been a possibility. Um, and, and just our kids to see, for our kids to see other young adults come over and openly talk about their faith um, make it very apparent that, um, that Christ is a priority in their life, um, even see one of them discern to become a priest, and then have other young priests come over and, and play with your kids, and, um, and just be, and, 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 and now, like, the Catholic culture is, is the culture of our home, and, you know, it wasn't always so for Rachel and I. So for us, it's extraordinary. But what's beautiful is that for the kids, this is just this life. Is ordinary. Yeah. I mean, this is just how they understand the world. And, and that kind of a blessing is you can't put a price on that. I mean, that's what we all want, you know. Yeah. And they've really, um, some of the young adults have been there for us in very trying times. You know, when, I, when my mom passed away in 2017, they were all here because there was a time when I, I was her, I was her uh, power of attorney and everything. And so I had to go over and discern end of life things. And we were able to leave our kids here. And I remember coming in to talk to them and tell them where we were with everything because Jason had rushed over to be with me after he got off work. And just, I remember there were three or four of the young adults here that had helped with our kids and just them mourning with, with us. Um, and then when we lost Carol, our, our fifth child, to miscarriage in 2019, I just remember them being there, the few of them that we, we asked to come to the funeral mass. And just what a, what a witness to life I'm sure it was for them. But for us to know that they can hold us in our own brokenness. Um, because I think that there, that's a, one thing with a lot of people that, that are, are parents, quote unquote, is that it's, it's difficult to show your children brokenness. But it's another thing to show your children brokenness in the right way, meaning that it's brokenness that, that's redeemed and brokenness that, that still has an outpouring of love with it. 
And I think that not only did I find that with them, but that I hope that they found that with us as well. So it's been a gift for us too. Beautiful. And what about any temptations or challenges that this radical openness presents for you guys? Well, the enemy hates it, you know, Yeah. I mean, it literally just strongly dislikes it. So um, there were so many times that we knew that we were, we had this coming up and it just things would happen, you know, like losing the air condition because it's a separate room in our home. It actually has a separate air conditioning unit on it. So um, we've had a couple of times where the air condition would just go out like right before everybody was coming over. Um, I uh, sleepless nights and things like that, that just the temptation for that. Um, kind of putting too much, just the, the overemphasis on, um, uh, on that radical openness. You know, it's a very big temptation to always want to be available. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's the biggest temptation because yeah. they become, they do become like a family to you and they, they definitely are a family to us. And if they were in dire need, you know, you would, you would do anything to be there. Then also making sure that if the outpouring of love really flows from my own family, which then flows from my love with Jason, those things had to be taken care of primarily yeah. in our own relationship with God. So there were times that it was very difficult and I'm sure so many people could say that you, you don't want to say no because you've just been practicing this, this always yes, but it teaches them that boundaries are, are healthy and they're good. So there were times when it was like, Hey, I know that we said that we were going to have that this night, but we can't do it that night because Jason and I need some time together. Um, and they were all very understanding in that way. But you can tell sometimes, you know, when it's like, oh, man, we really wanted to come see the Bullmans. And you're like, I'm sorry, it's not a good time. <laughs> and so I think that's the toughest thing is just knowing well enough to say, you know, this is not going to cost me a friendship or a relationship. Because the most important relationship is always going to be this one right here. And every other relationship will fall into place if I'm, if I'm taking care of this one. Love it. Yeah, that was actually going to be my next question. You know, families are busy. You guys have four school-age children, two babies on the way in the womb. You're an author, Rachel. You guys are in permanent diaconate formation. I mean, how how do you find that time to grow closer as a couple and, and strengthen that bond? Yeah, well, we, we um, Rachel is the best about this. Um, so um, I don't, I, and you know why I think that is, is because Rachel grew up with her dad as a Protestant pastor. And so she kind of got a taste of what it's like when you're in ministry in, all the time, in ministry all the time, your dad has this like, you know, he has to be dad, but then also be a, a pastor. And so there's a pulling in both directions. And so Rachel's always been firm about like, no, we're going to have a date night, you know? So we, we usually have a date night like once a week. Um, <laughs> and, and people, I mean, our brand new neighbors, they have their second child and it's the, the second child. They're very alarmed by us going on. Yeah, so many dates. So I don't, they, they don't know what to make <laughs> they're like, well, wait a minute. There's like a babysitter who will watch all your kids. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's possible. You can, you can still have a life and have a big family. Um, yeah, and I mean, I think tips maybe for, for anyone that's thinking about that. We literally go on a date once a week. Um, I love doing them on the weekends because then I know that he is, is pulled away from work and he can focus on just being on the date. The last few we haven't been able to, it's been like during the week. So it's a little different. I just, as far as timing and stuff like that. But, you know, we're, we're pretty adamant about the fact that um, we want to make sure that our kids are almost completely ready to go to bed when the sitter comes over. So the sitter usually has it very easy, even with four kids, you know, you're going to come in, you're going to help them eat and then keep everyone alive and put them in bed. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> so we try not to make it too challenging for whoever's going to come over. Um, we do have, you know, sometimes when we've gone on day dates and stuff like that, and that usually takes a conglomerate of people to do that, to help us with those kind of excursions. But it's just so important to be able to have that time to regroup for that. Um, so that's really our main focus is that we know that we can have, which I'm sure you, you know, Regina, you can have your, your date, your, your date night at home, but it's much different when you can unplug from the home and just focus on one another. And so we really try to make it a point to do that. Even if it's just a couple of hours, just to go grab a quick dinner and get back, we at least can say, you know, Hey, I took some time out and I focus solely on you. And, and it's just so important for us. I mean, that's even something in the, that I bring up a lot like in the song of songs, in chapter four, after they found each other, the beloved says to, to the person they've sought, like, even though I found you, go back to the stream where you came from. Because mm. it's very important to always be re-energized. It's, very, it's important to always return back. And so the Lord first and foremost, and then be able to have that time with one another. Yeah, the only other thing I want to add, um, it just struck me now as you're thinking, talking about it because um, I'm thinking like, yeah, how the heck do we do this? Um, <laughs> you know, one of the things, so I work in orthopedic surgery and my boss is known for, uh, my, the surgeon I work for, he's known for being like a machine, you know, he can do a lot of surgeries. He's very sleep, busy basically. and all that. <laughs> and uh, when I first came, he treated me like, like a resident, you know? So, I mean, I worked, like 80 hours crazy crazy like that (laughs) and and one thing that i that i learned from that experience which not everybody goes through something like that in their life but one thing that i learned was that the human person is capable of a whole lot more than they think they are um they really are i mean (laughs) we are capable of a whole lot more and and what gets in our way is this fear or this um you know sort of spontaneous, like just giving up that, you know, that's gotta be impossible. And I can't tell you how often people are like, how do you guys, I mean, you know, it's gotta be impossible. Even our formate in the diaconate are like, you guys sure about this? You know, (laughs) Uh, this is crazy. Um, So when we, you know, when we discerned into the diaconate, that was a big thing. We were both involved in a ton of ministries. I mean, if you would probably list them out, there were probably 10 or 12 ministries mm -hmm. that we were pretty active in. And I told Jason, I said, if we're doing this, we're dropping out of everything. Because I said, we don't know what diaconate formation is going to look like. We don't know the pressure it's going to put on us. So the only thing that we kept around was the young adults. And everything else, we said, hey, we have to take some time off. Um, mm-hmm. 
and then slowly started adding things back in when we we knew what we were cap we we could do. But yeah, so I mean, I would say, you know, whenever you're considering like things as a family or in ministry or whatever, everybody's situation is different and and should pray and discern. But but don't be too quick to think like you can't do it. Um, that's all I'm saying. Not everybody's called to do all you know tons of stuff. You know. And different personalities, different gifts, and all that. Um, but but I would just encourage people. Like I bet you're more capable than you think of of doing and taking on things. And and if you're generous, it, it is given back to you. You know. And I do think that that's how we are capable of doing a lot. Is is that we're just generous in our response to the Lord and to people and people are generous back, um, and help us, help us do it. Um, and it's amazing, you know, when it, when it, and it's worked out so far. So I, um, I think we're doing okay. So far so good. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's just so encouraging to hear you guys share that, you know, and, and affirming, I think to anybody who desires to, get involved with something, but isn't sure if it's compatible with their family life. And so I think it's, it's a helpful message. Anything that you want to leave with our, our listeners, any words of wisdom, piece of advice, maybe anyone who might be having a hard time right now in their relationship or just anything in general that you want to say. Oh man. I think, I think if you're having, having a difficult time, whether that be just with trying to figure out where things are in this pandemic, trying to figure out how to, to salvage relationships or to, to protect your marriage is to just, just really get back to the notion of, of who you are. I mean, that's the foundation of what we, we built in, in our ministry with young adults, what we found in our, our marriage to one another and even what we give in our various ministries, what I think will be the center of Jason's diaconate. And it will be the center of things that I write um, it's just that, you know, know who, who you belong to mm -hmm. and that will tell you what you're capable of. You know, you know, you know more about yourself by who you love and the things that you love and, and who, who loves you the most is, is the God of the universe. So if you can find yourself as beloved, it makes everything else make a lot more sense. And it makes any struggle and relationship or any, any, being lost in your way. It's like the light that you need to, to illuminate any path. Yeah, that's perfect. I don't think I want to add anything to that. That's <laughs> Awesome. Well, where can people find you, um, get in touch with you, see your work, anything like that? Any new exciting things on the coming down the pipeline? <laughs> so um, if they want to keep up with me, um, rachelbullman.com is, is my website. And then all, I tried to make all my handles pretty easy. So on IG and Twitter and Facebook, it's all just Rachel Bullman. And then on Instagram, Jason does have a, a presence there on Instagram. You can find him Maybe. by finding me. <laughs> <laughs> and so he's just jason.bullman, right? Right. On Instagram. And um, you can follow him on, on Facebook as well. But nothing new on the horizon other than these twins mm -hmm. growing in our womb in my womb so, you know, 
you. Yeah, I mean, um, anyway, <laughs> we're pregnant. You know, yeah, so. which my mom always loved. She's like, I've never heard a guy say that before. But true. So that's a move <laughs> on the horizon. <laughs> yeah, it's so exciting. I can't wait to see those babies. Yes, me too. <laughs> well, thank you all so much for for your sharing your wisdom with us and for your conversation. Thank you. Thank you. If you have enjoyed this episode, you can find more Connecting Out Loud content on our Facebook and Instagram pages. As always, I appreciate each and every review. So if you can take some time to rate and review this show, I read each one and I love hearing from you. Be intentional and connect out loud.